Here's to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Welcome to The Greatest Generation, a Star Trek podcast by a couple of guys who are a little bit embarrassed to have a Star Trek podcast. I'm Ben Harrison. I'm Adam Pranica. Adam, I received a package. <laughs> um, it was a little weird because it came not to you or to me or even to Max Fun, but to the bar that is owned by uh, Stuart Wellington, one of the co-hosts of the Flophouse podcast. <laughs> Oh, Ben, and you know when you start getting mail at a bar, uh, that's when you know you have a problem, right? Yeah, well, and, and I, I, like, I, I, uh, I really appreciate the person that sent this in. I will say, uh, for future reference for anybody listening, please don't send things to, <laughs> to Stewart's Bar. Uh, it's not my mailing address. <laughs> it is what you have on your business card, though, Ben. Here's here's what I'll say. If you email us and you don't seem weird, we'll probably just give you an, an address to mail something to. Um, but uh, if you don't want to email us, send it to Maximum Fun. We'll pick it up the next time we're in LA. But uh, in uh, in the package uh, is a bunch of Star Trek magazines. There's like a like a full color glossy magazine of Star Trek: The Next Generation. And uh, I guess there's two issues of that. One is the writer's issue, and one is a Q-centric issue. Am I uh, seeing bags and boards over there? Like, are those are those bagged up and boarded and, and like, yeah, I've preserved? Yeah, probably, I've probably diminished the value significantly below what a natural Jaeger goes for these days. Wow. Uh, and then there's also uh, two... I don't know. I don't know. I guess they're comic books. Oh yeah, they they sure are. They're comic books about the individual characters, I guess. Oh man, there's a there's a, there's a Jordy one that has a diptych of Levar Burton as Jordy and also as Kunta Kinte uh, oh, no. as the first page. So <laughs> this is uh this is some wild shit. Um. Yeah, I'm not going to read it on air, but... Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, more of this, a visual medium. This came from uh, Joseph Koch. Oh, this is uh, Koch Comics, I think, on, on Twitter. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've uh, I don't, I don't know if it's them Coke, a couple of times. Coke or Koch. I've heard that pronounced two different ways. But uh, yeah, these are really cool. And, uh, and thank you so much. Wow, that's very nice. Uh, I I will have to put the address of my local bar out there on the internet <laughs> so I can start getting mail there. That sounds great. Did they yeah. uh, did they slide you a frosty beverage and your mail all in one motion? Uh, yeah, and the, uh, it, it it came down the bar in slow motion, like that scene in Back to the Future: milk, chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> Stuart Wellington is one of the nicest guys in the world. Uh, his bar is is a real delight, and uh, it's just a great neighborhood bar. Uh, anybody within striking distance, I highly encourage you to go check it out. Nice plug. <laughs> the guy received mail for me. <laughs> I felt really bad. I meant that totally sincerely. He is great, and uh, if I only lived in in Brooklyn or its environs, I would be going there on the regular. So I'm glad I'm glad you're going there enough to get your mail. You know, the next step of bar patronage is getting that brass plaque yeah. on, on your seat. <laughs> so hope you're more than halfway there at this point. I would love the brass plaque, but I would never have the guts to actually, like, invoke authority over a seat, you know? Yeah. I would never ask somebody to get up because that's got that's technically my seat. Anyways, Adam, speaking yeah. of Brooklyn, I, I want to propose something to you live on air right now. Let's do an East Coast tour this year in addition to Greatest Gen Con 2017. The people are demanding it, and I think we could, I think we could do big stuff. Well, Ben, there's three more days left in the year. 
when this episode drops. I mean, that's in that's even that's even less lead time than we had <laughs> <laughs> on our West Coast tour. Uh, yeah, how do you keep track of when these come out? Because <laughs> we have like eight episodes recorded that aren't released at this point. I keep a calendar open during our podcast session. Mm. And, Is that uh, why you're always a little bit distracted? Yeah, yeah, I'm just looking at what I need to do next. So that's all. Yeah, of course, I'm prepared to agree to those terms. Absolutely. I'm totally into an East Coast tour. But, I mean, we had talked about doing a... A Midwest tour also. Are you kicking yeah. that can down the road? No, I think uh I think uh we'll we'll wanna take this off mic, but I think we should uh have serious conversations about like what cities we can hit, like what the best way to do it is. Whether um, or not to do four in four days. <laughs> Someone uh said something really funny on the internet about that live show tour that we did, which was before I saw you guys live, uh, I thought Adam was Burns and Ben was Gracie, but after seeing them live, I know that the exact opposite is true. <laughs> I wasn't sure how to take that at all. Like, I'm, I get the reference, but... Uh, <laughs> ooh, I think that we've maybe set the table for that a little bit, because um, usually, like... I'll self-deprecate and praise you and vice versa. And then I think like people like get in on that joke and and then our feelings get hurt because we're like, hey, <laughs> you're not allowed to deprecate us. <laughs> Leave the deprecation to us. <laughs> but uh, probably our fault. Speaking of things worth making fun of, uh, <laughs> the episode today is... Season 4, episode 24, The Mind's Eye. Jordy LaForge, Ben, he's hopped into a flat pack bunk bed shuttle. He's going yeah. on a long trip. I feel like this is this is a message that gets sent to Jordy from the crew. Like <laughs> The entrepreneur is doing Uber runs all the time. <laughs> yeah. We know they have shuttles capable of warp drive. But they're going to stick Jordy in the <laughs> impulse engine only shuttle and send him out into space for like three weeks, the time it takes to <laughs> to transit his trip. It's sort of cruel, and he doesn't seem to, to get the joke. It, yeah, yeah. They need a break from him, and uh, in a, like, it, with a data-like level of credulity, Jordy accepts this <laughs> as, as a thing that uh, he's going to go do. So he's... Um, He's going to go to RISA for an, uh, an AI conference, and um, he's, like, getting into the groove of, of things in the shuttlecraft when a Romulan warbird decloaks dead ahead of him. Whoa! Computer! Sequence zero, one, zero, maximum power to the shields, kill the music. He has, like, like a moment of panic and... Uh, you know, that's our that's our inciting incident for the episode. We get a good long ease into the hot tub in this episode too. Like we get to see what Jordy does when he's alone, utterly alone. <laughs> and it's a little terrifying. Like he uh he's a real computer talker. He's he's clearly the one who uses Siri. The only person <laughs> who uses Siri, I think. It's uh yeah, and it's it's um I don't know. Like, I feel like if if we can use our cell phones as a as an analog to having a computer you can talk to, like a a device that has lots of interesting ways that you can interact with it, from checking Twitter to playing a game to uh, you know reading a book, whatever. Like, you can do a lot of things. Uh, he kind of acts like he's like. He's, like, kind of new to this. Yeah. Like he's, he's like, computer, like, uh, do you have any games I could play? <laughs> like, the first time you ever used a computer and you found Minesweeper and you were like, oh, my <laughs> God, this is the greatest. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, it's it's like he's it's like he's new to it. And, uh, and so he's, like, he's, like, just kind of getting up to speed on this whole having a computer situation. <laughs> 
when uh, when the Romulans get him, and uh, that's like that's the push to to opening credits. When we come back, it's it's all like Klingon politics. Like it's almost like it's almost like the show forgot this really exciting thing happened, which I think is fun writing. You know, it's like like you you have that moment of tension where you're gonna watch the credits and then the like first first spate of commercials for the episode Mm -hmm. and when you come back they're like nope tension is still going like we're not even going to explain what's going on there to you uh initially we're going to have some farty old klingon diplomat talking to picard about some thing they're going to do did you think they did a good job of of building the tension toward the end of that geordie shuttle scene because they filled his view screen with that Romulan ship, and the the power imbalance seems pretty apparent. But man, I was almost screaming at the TV, like, go to the exterior, because I wanted to see the size difference. Like, I wanted yeah. to see the tiny shuttle and the giant ship, and yeah. we never got that. And we know there's comps of both. It seems I like was... it would have been easy to do. So I was thinking that it might have been like the size difference is so vast that the shuttle would have yeah. like it, it might have been like a standard definition television thing where yeah. they can't show something that small it would have next been to pixel. something that big. Yeah. I mean like there's ways to do it, but um I also just like wish they would have cut back to the shot through the windshield one more time. Yeah. Cuz they the way they do it is they cut to a single of Jordy like frantically working on his computer, and then he like gets beamed out. And I think it would have been more interesting to see him get beamed out, looking back at the ship that's doing it to him, and more scary. Oh yeah, interesting. He does a great job with that uh, guy in the control tower as the <laughs> as the F fourteen does the flyby. Like like he's totally startled. To the yeah. point of spilling his coffee or whatever. Yeah. Like, he sells it great. Mm-hmm. Um, well, anyways, the uh, the the deal with the... Enter- the Well, anyways, the deal with the entrepreneur is as follows. They're going to go uh, answer a claim of Federation meddling in an outlying colony of the Klingon Empire. There's like a colony that has like a separatist group that's trying to declare independence from the Klingons and the you know, the like loyalist governor of the colony has accused the Federation of supplying weapons to the rebels, which is not how the Federation gets down so they take this accusation really seriously and they're going with the Klingon ambassador to to look into this shit and see uh, see what they can see and the Klingon ambassador is like you know he loves Picard he's like hey like I've heard uh, I've heard you've spoken to the High Council a couple of times that's pretty cool he also has some of the best Klingon loaf I think we've ever seen yeah this is some some epic. I feel like the they're starting to establish a premise that the older a Klingon gets, the more like involved their loaf gets. <laughs> I once I noticed this, I couldn't take my eyes off of it. He's got Wu Tang head loaf. <laughs> like he has a very pronounced W, like right in between his eyes. <laughs> Which sort of sets him up as a character that maybe I can't trust. He might be mm. up to no good. Yeah. You gotta watch that guy for liquid swords. <laughs> um, yeah, he's just—he's just surrounded by a swarm of bees. <laughs> One time, I saw the Jizza live in concert <laughs> in uh, in uh, New Haven, Connecticut, <laughs> and he was—I uh, can't even remember what song it was, but. Uh, he forgot the lyrics like midway through one of the songs and got like really embarrassed like up on stage and he was like listen I'm a touring musician I don't do that song all that often and I like I gotta be honest I didn't practice it enough before we got up here on stage but I don't want you to think I'm some kind of punk I don't want you to think that I can't rap so just to prove that to you let me just come off the top of my head and rap 
for 10 minutes and he had the dj drop a beat and just like freestyled over it for 10 minutes without stopping and it was great and he like he totally had the crowd like like worried about the situation and then won them back that's nice that's a nice reversal it was pretty cool uh have you seen that that marvel show on netflix luke cage no uh, Method Man is, has a cameo in that, M-E-T-H-O-D, man. and it's like Fine. one of the best cameos because I think he he has so much charisma. Like he is just like so fun in everything that he's in. <laughs> he really, yeah. He uh, he. I mean, it's like it's sort of like I think he kind of takes a page out of Ice Cube's playbook, right. which is like let's have this be really fun, whether or not it's like it rises to the level of good. Yeah. Like let's let's have it be real real fun. You can you can forgive something for not being good if it's fun instead. I think most yeah. of the time. Totally. That's a that's a that's a great anecdote about our show, for example. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sort of fell backwards into that one. Yeah. I fell backwards into our brand, Ben. <laughs> The Klingons are are pretty exercised over this over this idea, and Picard uh, has to break it to the ambassador that part of this trip is going to involve him working directly with Worf. Ambassador, I will ask our chief security officer, Lieutenant Worf, to make a report. Uh, to Captain, uh, Worf's discommendation makes that very awkward. Once again, Picard has to get Worf's back around some Klingon who finds it offensive to have to be. In a, in a room with him. If I could work with one of the other security officers... Lieutenant Worf is my chief of security and my tactical officer. This matter clearly falls within his jurisdiction. And I really love that about Picard. Like, he always backs Worf up, like, 100%, you know? It's interesting. I mean, this is this is a few times that he's done this, and it's always from the perspective of the other guy... Yeah. Well, I, I should say it's frequently from the perspective of the other guy and rarely from the perspective of how uncomfortable it would make Worf. You get the one time where Worf is like, look, Captain, this is going to be a bad idea. And Picard <laughs> yeah, just fucking shuts that up real fast. And yeah. then every other time we get it from the other. And it makes me wonder, like, I would like to check back in a little bit with Worf on if he's still super bummed about that. Because I don't think you get much of that perspective anymore after the first time he did it. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think the one time we've gotten anything about that is when J-Dan was making fun of him. Yeah, and he got a back fist to the yeah. dome. Yeah, and J-Dan is, isn't even a member of the Wu. <laughs> He's on the record label, though. <laughs> sure. Very unpopular. <laughs> yeah, that... Not many of the people coming out of Shaolin rose to the level that, that Wu-Tang did. Failing J-Dan can't sell 10,000 albums. Sad. <laughs> so now we're going to go back to the Romulan ship, and this is like the horror scene where they are kind of like clockwork oranging Jordy and yeah. they like wheel over they have their own clip show device <laughs> on the Romulan ship and they wheel it over and like and like plug Jordy into it and they're they're like they've taken off his visor and they've they've got some like plungers that connect to the little blinky contacts on his temples and they're pumping horrifying images directly into his brain and uh, there is a shadowy figure in the corner adam Mm. that the camera keeps cutting to despite the fact that you can't see her face yeah there's a there's a creepy bread box in the corner (laughs) you know we're made to think that the romulans have equivalent military technology but Mm -hmm. i found myself pretty impressed that they have equivalent clip show technology also <laughs> they what they're capable of is mutually assured clip show. Oh yeah. You don't yeah, want which that. Is ma- 
I mean, maybe that's why we haven't had a clip show since since the clip show. Right. Is, uh, <laughs> is like, oh, you want to show a clip show? Then we'll show a clip show. You have that one clip show crisis uh, mm-hmm. in the first couple of seasons, and that sets the tone for everything that comes after. Yeah. It's not clip show war. It's clip show holocaust. <laughs> you get bread bro- God, this is a tough line reading. You get bread box Khrushchev in the corner <laughs> giving orders <laughs> to, uh, to her minions. Oh, we got there, Adam. It was worth it. It was worth getting there. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? The only reason I bring up Khrushchev is because I want to hear you do your your great and very popular Russian accent. <laughs> <laughs> That's my Chekhov accent, Adam. You've done Khrushchev before. Off Have of, I? Yeah, you uh, you bounce past it off of my terrible JFK impression. <laughs> uh, I don't know what to say, Adam. I feel like I'm being pimped here. This is really uh, pod on pod right now. We got to get out of this. <laughs> well, anyways, they're what they're doing is they are uh, they've sent like a a proxy Jordy to Risa <laughs> to attend to attend the AI conference, and uh, this is the worst Jordy. Like yeah, so they're, yeah, the they're, world's shittiest Jordy. Their plan, real quick, is like, so they're showing him the they're showing him this terrible footage in order to desensitize him to the horrors of what they might make him do later. So they're they're playing basically Event Horizon captain's log footage on a loop, mm-hmm. and so they're like, well, someone's gonna miss this guy on Risa, even though that's the most laughable part. Like, no one's going to miss Jordy on Risa. They're actually probably pretty relieved he's not gonna be there, creeping by the pool. And yeah. their idea, so that no one notices he's gone, is to send Proxy Jordy, and he is—he couldn't even be a stunt double for Jordy. He's yeah, like this he's is, a basketball this is, player, tall and lean. It's it's an extremely racist moment. <laughs> it is so racist. Like, and also like this show has shown people like going through you know prosthetic makeup to look like something they're not plenty yeah. of times why can't they just have like a replicant Jordy, a guy that looks exactly like Jordy? why can't they do a camera trick where there's two Jordys on screen at once yeah they could have done that they had the technology they have the technology and instead they did the most racist possible thing which is oh this black guy looks enough like this other black guy it's like it's like Keenan Thompson playing Charles Barkley. Like <laughs> now the NBA is way less violent than it was twenty years ago. Man, when I was on the court, I got hit all the time. He's the black cast member, so he's the fit. <laughs> yeah. Even though, like, to be to be quite honest, Keenan Thompson's Charles Barkley is maybe the funniest thing that he does on <laughs> SNL, and I love it. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, they're turning Jordy into a Manchurian engineer, <laughs> and um, they run a little test where they have a holographic ten forward done up, and they're gonna have Jordy uh, put a hit on Chief O'Brien and see if he'll he'll respond to their suggestion. And uh, this episode made me realize that Chief O'Brien is, like, more potted of a plant than either of the female main cast members at this point. Yeah. Like, like he's so one note that, that uh, like, I don't even know if he has lines in this. It's just like, hey, uh, we need somebody that we kind of know a bit, so we'll feel a little bit bad if Jordy walks up and phasers him. But, like, you know, not so, not somebody that we, like, care, care about. I feel like the show began to get a little self-aware about how they use Beverly and Deanna, and we're like, look, people are going to start to notice how bad we are with these characters. <laughs> Let's put O'Brien in where ordinarily we would have used them, and yeah. then uh, we can get them off our case. Right. Well, anyways, um, back on the ship, Worf and the Klingon ambassador are doing great work together uh coming up with coming up with a like a framework for how they're going to deal with this colony situation and data is receiving Jordy back in the shuttle bay Jordy's in in high spirits got some real pep in his step because he is 
he's had a great time on his vacation that he remembers, despite the fact that he was in the uh, the brainwashing department on the uh, on the Romulan ship the entire time. I feel like Riker basically sells timeshare to Risa to the rest of the crew, <laughs> and he couldn't be more disinterested in the fact that Jordy was just there or had intended to go there from the start. You know? Yeah. Where's Riker in all this? Yeah. I mean, um, so, yeah, I think Data receives Jordy, but then it winds up being Troy that, like, walks around the ship with him. And this is a weird scene, Adam. Did you get the sense that Troy was a little bit hitting on Jordy? No, I didn't. I mean... Be- she was. She's, like, excited to hear about whether he got got that dick wet. Like, in a way where, like, when he goes into his quarters... She stands there kind of just outside them, and I was like, oh, she wanted to go in there. I I just got the sense that, you know, there's always one, one person in the group of friends who is not the one who makes out at a party, <laughs> is not the one who, like... Gets down the like the chaste friend, yeah. and yeah, everyone the, the non hookuping friend. Yeah, and everyone in the group tends to uh, tends to either tease them lightly or when a hookup has happened, like really probe them for the details. Yeah. And I <laughs> felt like that's what this was. Like Troy's almost making fun of him for his inability to do stuff like this, and so when she senses that he may have gotten down over there. Like I didn't think she was cruelly doing it, but I thought I thought she was sort of making fun of the situation by by peppering him with all these questions. All right. Well, you might be right. My love is a Anyways, the the captain and the and Riker and and the ambassador uh, beam down to the the Klingon colony planet Krios, I think it is. And uh, sure, they meet Governor Vach, and uh, Governor Vach is just an a like random generic Klingon, like totally indistinguishable from other Klingons. At least the ambassador has like a weird robe. <laughs> like the governor is just in like Klingon war kit, and uh, he gives them a rifle that they uh, f- they pulled off of some dead rebels, and it's a it's a it's a Federation phaser rifle. And they're like, well, fuck. Like, this is, like, kind of a smoking gun, so to speak. I mean, like, if uh, if you guys have a Federation phaser rifle that you pulled off a Rebel, it's hard to deny that the Federation supplied it. Uh, so we're going to have to, like, go back and test this thing and make sure it is what it appears to be. Yeah, it's, and, it basically is stamped with United Federation of Planets <laughs> logos on the side. Yeah. It, it was taken out of a crate with the logo on it. Yeah. I think, like, Data and Jordy get tasked with testing this thing. And, like, like I think this is around when Jordy goes into 10 forward and dumps a glass of cranberry juice on Chief O'Brien. And it's um, it's this, like, test moment where the, the Romulans are, are testing whether they, in fact, have Jordy under control. Yeah, a few times in the episode you get to see Jordy's POV and there's some weird Romulan iconography when it cuts to that shot yeah. and there's like a there's some crosshairs coming down and separating. Ooh, I sh- I'm sorry. And that's how that's how the viewer is supposed to see that he's receiving those orders. Yeah, his coded orders. Just before he uh, he spills his drink, he gets one of those. So that sort of sets up uh, the rest of the episode and how he's receiving these and and why he's acting the way he is yeah and um i guess data is starting to notice that there are these like weird blips in in like the radio spectrum that like they can't explain otherwise and every time every time you see one of those povs like data will be talking to Riker or something and be like hey like there's this weird thing that keeps happening and i'm wondering if it's some kind of surreptitious communication and I really liked this kind of C storyline in the episode of mm-hmm. Data and Riker running this little side investigation that winds up cracking the whole thing open. Yeah. Um, it was cool to see Riker, like, supervising something that isn't, like, isn't really worth, like, escalating to captain, but also, like, you know, they're curious enough about that 
the second officer is going to be working on it like when he's got free time. And also, like, it's a project that doesn't have a sexual goal. (laughs) It's just for the sake of solving a mystery. And also, Data solving a mystery, and he doesn't have a fucking pipe in his mouth. Like, like he can actually play it pretty straight. Yeah. Yeah, There's a lot to like about it. Yeah. Ben, is this Uh, the first time we've seen Geordi's POV since season one? It feels like it's been a long time since we've seen through the visor. Right. There was that episode where they're like, this is how he sees. Interesting that at the time, it felt like we would get a whole lot more of that going forward, and they just sort of dropped it. I think maybe because they could tell that it wasn't that cool. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's it's like a posterized false color effect. Yeah. It's hard to imagine it being better than than normal eyesight, which they've also implied several times. Right. Yeah, it sort of looks like, you know, when the Predator is cycling through its different ways of seeing things in the classic film Predator. Oh, I'm I'm familiar. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I'm glad you called it a film and not a movie because it deserves that designation. It is most certainly a film. I need to get out of this simile. The only way I can do it is by getting to the chopper. (laughs) I've been accused of not laughing at your jokes enough, Ben. It's because they're terrible? (laughs) Yeah, maybe that's really the answer. It's not that I'm not a giving comic artist. Who accused you of that? Oh, a lot of people accuse me of that. Well, I can can see you chuckling sometimes. You just do it inaudibly. Yeah, I'm an inaudible laugher. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Laugher for money. Do what you want me to do. No one's gonna get that. Uh, Cut that out. We're we're just grinding to a halt here. You're just grinding metal, Ben. <laughs> Ease down. I am the cutest of all. You will assist us. I am the cutest of all. You are all. So it's kind of an interesting plot, right? Jordy is going to is going to research this rifle that is secretly a Romulan rifle. While he is under the sway of the Romulans. Yeah, and the tension of this is fucking brutal because they're in engineering and they've set up these two stations, one with the rifle and one that's going to catch the beam of the rifle. And yeah. Data's just walking around on the, on the pointy end of the spear, basically, waiting to get shot by this. Energy flows within normal parameters. From the pre-fire chamber to the emission aperture. Rapid Nadian pulse... Right on target. Anybody that has ever worked in like the ballistics lab yeah. of a police precinct <laughs> will tell you that you're not supposed to be downrange when you test fire the gun. <laughs> this is the most intense scene of the whole episode, I thought. I was yeah. I was totally blown away by this. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. And yeah, they also just do it like I mean, fortunately it's not also pointed at the warp core, like they have the sense to point it away from the warp core, but it's just in the middle of engineering. Like anybody could walk in. This is a good time to ask the ultimate question, Ben. Like, is the Romulan's mission flawed? Should their mission not be to have Geordi wheel around and shoot the warp core and destroy the Enterprise? <laughs> like would well, that not accomplish their goal even more than trying to start a a war? Uh, inside the Klingon Empire? I thought about that, but then I... Like, the Romulans are, like, mainly devious, and I think that, the, like, my first reaction was not even, like, shoot the shoot the warp core, but it was, like, this is a terrible plan. They're going to have Geordi uh, prove that these are Romulan rifles mm-hmm. while, while he is their Manchurian candidate. Like, why the fuck would they do that? And then I realized it's so that they can discredit Geordi to the Klingons, like so that when he starts beaming the arm arms shipments down to Krios, uh, they already like don't trust him that much. Right. Right. Okay. Yeah. So, anyways, it's always a chess match with the Romulans. <laughs> That's a good point, Adam. <laughs> so they catch that these rifles got beamed down to the surface, and they're like, "Well, shit." How do we how do we backtrack on 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 this? And they find out that like it went out from a cargo bay, and 
and like you know there's like four people on the ship that know enough about like how to hide your transporter traces to do it and Jordy is the only one that doesn't have like an alibi of where he was when the shipment was made even though we know there are cameras everywhere on this ship like yeah. no one thinks to look at the transporter room footage of yeah. like where the shit was beamed out of where Jordy was at the t- you know like he's like oh I was in my quarters and it's like can can you imagine a situation where a ship where you can ask it where anybody is on the ship at any time doesn't keep a record of that also you could dust the isolinear chips for fingerprints and they don't do that they're like oh yeah these were these were clearly mangled and switched around <laughs> we'll never know who did it Jordy goes into the ambassador's quarters uh, while he's picking out on some Klingon food, and the ambassador gives Jordy his final orders. Come in, Mr. O'Fort. I will transport to the surface, and when I return, I'll have Governor Bog with me. Your captain and I will bring him to the cargo bay. I want you to kill him there in front of many witnesses. Use a hand phaser. The rest of the episode's kind of like a race against time where Jordy is on a wide-ass lens walking up a hallway on his way to do a, do a murder, and Data is, like, all over the ship doing research on, on these, like, blips, and he, like, finds uh, sketchy isolinear chips in the shuttle pod, and he, like, decides that the blips are probably brain waves. I feel like you could play this... Like, from this part of the episode to the end, and the end of the first Naked Gun movie where Reggie Jackson has been <laughs> has been programmed to kill the queen. Like, the pacing and the tension are, like, almost perfectly aligned. <laughs> There's some things about the pacing that are, are a little silly, but I think that one of the things that makes this episode work for me is the music is great. Yeah. It's like a, it's like a movie-level score. It's yeah. like... It seems to be on a much higher level than we generally get. And uh, and Data manages to warn Worf over the radio that Geordi needs to get taken into custody. Data to Lieutenant Worf. Priority one. Go ahead. Take Commander LaForge into custody immediately. Until so Worf is like trying to run across the, the cargo bay to, to get in between Geordi and, and uh, the assembled crowd. Because, like, the governor and the ambassador and Picard are all there. And when Worf starts moving quickly, like, the, the Klingon lackeys, like, jump on him. <laughs> and he's like, no, I'm trying to stop this. <laughs> and and, uh, and so it winds up having to be Picard, like, like turning around and, and grabbing Geordi's arm right at the right moment and getting the phaser out of the way. Before! Uh, once again, a phaser goes into the ceiling, and we don't get the the cutaway to the the guy cutting into like a pot roast, you know, mm-hmm. one floor up, when and like a beam <laughs> of light comes up through the plate on his table. <laughs> it singes his hair. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah, thought his wife wife calls from the other room. It's not burnt, is it? <laughs> it's uh it's O'Brien and Keiko sitting down to one of Keiko's awful meals. <laughs> O'Brien's like, oh, thank God. I don't have to eat it. It's like, instead of O'Brien having to scrape his plate into a napkin, he's like, all done. I ate it all. <laughs> she turns around and sees the crater, the smoking crater that was his plate and goes, wow, you really like that. I'll have to make that more often. And he goes, wah, wah. Oh, boy. <laughs> Worf is on this ladder when he sees Jordy approach the gang. And I thought it was an interesting choice that he yelled LaForge instead of Jordy. Did this did this register with you at all? Like I did. You, I we mean, rarely I think... hear anyone yell someone's someone else's name using yeah. their last name on this show. Mm-hmm. If you were to get his attention. I thought that was a strange choice, and it made me wonder if they recorded it several times, if they shot it several times, and then oh, yeah. that was the best take. Hmm. It's interesting. I mean, I I sort of wonder, like, because Worf doesn't really know much at that point, right? Like, for all Worf knows, Geordi could be, like, freely deciding to kill the governor, and 
that would be just as plausible an explanation of what's going on as anything. Yeah. Like Data's just said, like, take take Jordy into custody. And so, like, maybe in Worf's mind at that point, like, Jordy has flipped sides. And, and he, like, is not going to be familiar with him because of that. I thought it might be just more of a professional yell from Worf <laughs> at that point. Like, uh... <laughs> Jordy sounds a little sing-songy. Like if he's not going to call him by his full first name, like Jordan, <laughs> he's going to call him LaForge. LaForge sounds much more powerful and official mm-hmm. if you're acting in a in a security context. Is what is Jordy's full name? Jordy's clearly short for something. Mm-hmm. Uh... Jordash. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want Warf not yelling, shorter. yelling Jordash across the, <laughs> the shuttle bay. Uh, um, they have got to pay for that product placement. Yeah. I am the cutest of all. There are four lights. This episode has the one of the great creepy buttons, mm. and it's it's Jordy and Troy in a room, uh, in like a therapy session, and. He is like insisting that he remembers this trip to Risa and like these are real things that happened to him and she does a little like verbal Aikido and and gets him like into the like into this slipstream of recalling the Romulan attack on his shuttlecraft uh and and it like it like blows him away and then she makes this promise that uh we know will not be fulfilled at the end of the episode which is that they're gonna like put him back together piece by piece and it's gonna take a long time and he's going to be a wounded character after this I mean it's a great it's a promise to Jordy the character and it's a promise to the viewer that I am wondering if they will ever call back I don't think they can like I think that they're so pot committed on it just kind of starting fresh every episode. Yeah. Especially for Jordy. That, like, I mean, I, I mean, you know, he's not a damaged character in the next episode. Yeah, and that sucks. I mean, I don't even know what the next episode is yet, and I know that he won't be a damaged character. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I asked the question knowing the answer, but it just... <laughs> it's too bad when it's that explicit... And it doesn't yeah. get paid off. But, yeah. Yeah, really dark button. The darkest button. <laughs> there is no I mean, music box that, that Troy can produce to put Jordy back together. Yeah. Hmm. Did you like this episode, Ben? I did. I think that as a, as a whodunit, it is less well executed than some of the other episodes we've seen. But... Uh, there's a lot to like about it, and I think brainwashing stories are 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 fun, and it's always fun to like have a character that that is supposed to be one of the good guys, perhaps acting like a bad guy. And uh, I thought that like this may have been unintentional, but some of the kind of creepiness stuff that we've talked about with Jordy kind of played well in this particular episode. Because, uh, like, we've kind of talked about, like, what a creepo he is. And when he's doing creepy things in this episode, because his brainwashing has happened, it's, like, extra effective. Yeah. Yeah, because he's already he's already sown those creepy seeds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now those creepy chickens are coming home to roost. <laughs> That's how you grow <laughs> creepy chickens. Uh, how about yourself did you like it yeah i did this was the most law and ordery star trek episode i think we've gotten like it's got the political intrigue part Mm -hmm. it's got the uh it's got the police doing detective work in the b story uh it's got real stakes thought it was good it it has an ambiguous ending which i think is especially unique yeah for this particular show so yeah i liked it a lot solid ep 
you know what else is solid is my desire to make money from Priority One messages, Adam. Should we see if we have any for this episode? All right. <laughs> God, it's it's like you're not doing this for the love anymore, Ben. <laughs> You've changed, wanna... man. You've changed. <laughs> Priority One message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Need a supplemental income. Supplemental income? Supplemental. Supplemental. Yeah, it's extra. But the interest alone could be enough to buy this ship. Adam, our first P1 is 16 years ago. I met a girl and thought, she looks great now. But imagine how hot she'll be when she's middle-aged. Happy 40th, sweetie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> Did we just announce someone's divorce? <laughs> Oh, no, I, don't do it. <laughs> I ran this one by my wife, and she had a similar re- reaction to you. I choose to believe that they have a, a cool relationship where they enjoy giving each other a good ribbon. God, and, I uh, hope so. Yeah. I mean, they've been, get it, been together a long time. If you hear this the morning it comes out and you get some cold feet about it, uh, hit us up at the Drunk Shimoda email address. We'll see what we can do about pulling this. <laughs> oh, yeah, or Twitter if you want, like, fast response. I'm looking out for you, man. <laughs> we have a second one, Adam, and it is from the BBB crew. Hey! That sounds familiar. And it's to Brian Hickman. It says, You thought you escaped retaliatory real doll shaming <laughs> when your special day came and went, but you were sorely mistaken. BBB wishes an embarrassing revenge. Happy birthday to Brian. We're sure Kevin's omniscience can reveal forbidden birthday wishes even we don't know about. (laughs) (laughs) And remember, what happens in Borrego stays in Borrego. You humans have the superstition that if you say your wish out loud, it won't come true. (laughs) I'm here to tell you, Brian Hickman, I know your wishes. And they are very filthy. (laughs) They make me want to destroy all wishes everywhere You you might find that hypocritical coming from a man in my line of work (laughs) A man who makes rubber fuckholes for people of all stripes I make rubber fuck dolls at price points that cater to the very wealthy all the way down to working men and women who just want an automaton to use and abuse. <laughs> they come home from a factory job just wanting to stick their junk into a rubber hole. And I've made that rubber hole for them. But Brian, the things that you desire, the <laughs> things that you want to do when you come home, the things that you think about before you blow candles out, the way I blew so many hoosnock out. <laughs> They disgust me. They shake me to my core. I'm a man of special conscience. (laughs) I think you would be well advised to become one as well. Brian Hickman, your lack of conscience offends me. (laughs) Viewers who enjoy these kinds of messages can go to MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron and buy all Jumbotrons everywhere. It is $100.00. For a personal message and two hundred dollars for a commercial message, or a message that will end the lives of all who snack, and it helps <laughs> this idiotic podcast stay in business. <laughs> Boy, Ben, you really went off-roading in that uh, impression, didn't you? <laughs> you went way off script. That was great. Ah. <laughs> uh, you did things through that impression I didn't know were possible. Yeah. Ooh. Good job. Got intense. <laughs> well, I hope you got what you wanted, BBB crew. <laughs> That's what you get when you double dip. Darmok, Angelad, and Boy, do I love a microdose gummy from Lumi Labs. I'm uh, I'm running low, so I'm going to head over to microdose.com pretty soon and put in another order. Microdosing is a technique I use to steer my mentals in a preferred direction several times a week. 
And uh, I just love it because you can really predict what is going to happen and to what degree it is going to happen because these are very low-dose cannabis gummies that uh, give you an entry-level dose that help you feel just the right amount of good. And they've been super loyal as sponsors to Greatest Trek and Greatest Gen, so I hope you will give them a try. Get 30% off your first order plus free shipping today at microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. It's available nationwide. That's microdose.com. Promo code is SCARVES for 30% off and free shipping. Microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. One of the amazing things about making The Greatest Generation is getting to see all of the cool, creative stuff that the Friends of DeSoto make when we do a Code 47 episode. People send in handcrafted stuff all the time, and they send in their books, they send in paintings, they send in uh, crochet work. It's so cool. And uh, I want a few more of you to have websites to direct us to in those letters. I want you to put your beautiful work on display for the world so that when we get to look at it, we can tell people where to go to get a look at it themselves. And you don't have to know anything about building a website to build a website these days because you can use Squarespace. It'll look beautiful no matter what kind of device people are looking at it on. Hell, you can even sell stuff using a Squarespace website. Don't make your cool, creative project captain's eyes only. Head to squarespace.com slash scarves for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. Hey, Ben. Adam. Did you find yourself a Drunk Shimoda? Drunk Shimoda! I did, Adam. Uh, I have been developing a theory that Jordy is a high-functioning alcoholic, and uh, I got perhaps the best proof of that that I could ever want on this in this episode. In the opening scene, he's hanging out in the shuttle by himself, uh, and he's uh, he's uh, on his way to Risa. He asks the shuttle when he's going to get there, and it says at 0932 hours and he says fuck that's three hours from now so it is 6 30 in the morning his time <laughs> and he is fucking drinking he has a cocktail going he has a tiki drink essentially <laughs> he he has the uh he has the pink punch of masturbation <laughs> if that does not a drunk shimoda make i don't know what does adam yeah yeah that's the literal shimoda Right there. Mm-hmm. Uh, how about yourself? For me, it was Fugazi Jordy. <laughs> and you only get him, God, you just, you get him for maybe two seconds, right? Like they do, they do sort of a swish pan across him as he, as he leaves the scene. But good Lord, <laughs> you got to do better, guys. <laughs> yeah. Like his, his visor fits so ill-fittingly it's like it's like crooked it's like uh 
you wear glasses, so like if you uh-huh. were to lose one one nose piece, like how ill-fitting yeah. your glasses would rest on your nose, that's how bad he looks. It's like the SNL Star Trek parody. Yeah, uh, when when Captain Picard is like the captain of the love boat. Yeah, and and Farley plays Riker. <laughs> Do you remember that casting? Yeah, that was good stuff. And Farley chooses to like the one the one part of the impression that he seizes on is how Riker walks. <laughs> it's fucking great. <laughs> yeah, and they have like a they have like Tim Meadows as Jordy, right? Yeah, yeah. Jordy, two banana daiquiris on a side. Yeah, he's got Tim Meadows visor on. Yeah, he's totally he's he's Tim Meadows visoring in this in this episode. There are so many times in this show where I feel like LeVar Burton feels like he's being made fun of. Yeah. And that's gotta yeah. be one of those scenes. I mean one thing that we talked about in our uh in our generations episode that we did for our live tour was like it was like the idea of LeVar Burton keeping a list of grievances <laughs> as as they go through the process of making that film. Yeah. And uh, it's hard to imagine that he doesn't have like a you know like in the in the closet on his trailer uh, like a construction paper chart on the you know in the in the inside of his closet that he's just keeping track of all the like exquisitely racist things that are happening to his character over the course of making the show. If he weren't such a nice, gracious, good person, I would totally imagine he'd be doing that. Like. Yeah. If they're going to be making fun of everyone, they're sort of fortunate that they're making fun of him. Yeah. Uh, what do we have coming up on the next episode? The next episode is season four, episode 25, In Theory. In Theory. <laughs> In Theory. Uh, In Theory. Data experiments with love by pursuing a romantic relationship with a fellow crew member. Do you remember this episode, Adam? Why would Data do this? <laughs> Why would Data uh, subject another crew member to his very powerful pelvic thrusts? <laughs> I was just thinking, like he, it's been like it's been like almost four years since he got laid last, as far as we know. That's a drought, man. You know what's crazy is that more women fall for Data than they do for Jordy. <laughs> yeah, and it's not even close. <laughs> yeah. God, that's got to make Jordy feel like shit. Can you imagine? Yeah. Uh, I do remember this episode. I'm excited to watch it again. I am excited too. I would never veto this episode. I think it's a, I think it's a very interesting premise at the very least. You know, the thing about data on this show is that people want to be data. People want to be with data Mm -hmm. all the time. Yeah. Poor Jordy. And he's got to be Jordy's friend too. It's like when you're the, it's like when you're, you're not super popular in school, but you happen to be like luckily friends with someone who is extremely popular that's his life Mm -hmm. yeah what what a lifestyle jordy's got the the letterman's jacket with the band letter on it (laughs) and data's got the letterman's jacket that's just covered in like football and wrestling and (laughs) all the other letters yeah there's there's more letters than jacket at this point (laughs) yeah well i'm excited for that you know what uh, constantly letters our jacket, Ben? <laughs> What's that, Adam? <laughs> the support our viewers give us by going to MaximumFun.org slash donate. Yeah. Their, their, that... their support keeps our lights on. They keep the show going. They keep the wind beneath our wings. Yeah. it's uh, It makes a big difference to be able to... Uh, to justify the amount of time we spend on this uh, by keeping ourselves in podcast fluid at the very least. So thanks to everybody that contributes and uh, thanks to everybody that has gone to maxfunstore.com, copped a a t-shirt or two, uh, hugely appreciated. Thanks to Dark Materia for our theme music and Adam Ragusea for our other music. And uh, that just about does it. Does it not, Adam? It does the job. Well... With that, we will be back at you next week with another great episode of Star Trek The Next Generation and a powerfully thrusting episode <laughs> of The Greatest Generation. Captain,
you can tell when data's in heat because of the uh like the broken pelvises lining up outside of of six bay oh <laughs> uh, yeah i I tucked when I should have rolled. <laughs> Oh man, so right. many people having to wear like the cast around the pelvis just looks like cast <laughs> pants. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think that uh that Data's erection is powerful enough to just destroy the the front of his uniform every time it happens? I think there can be little doubt. Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.